0: Standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the beautiful day you've given to us. And we want to thank you also for the opportunity that we have to come before your throne of grace. And thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word. Father, I pray that as we look at... Uh, the timeline prophecies throughout your word, and we look at the pattern that is there foretold and that is shown. Father, I pray that we will understand these things, that we may understand who the second witness is, that we may be able to see the witness of the first witness revealing the second to us. So Father, I pray that this will uh, be your thoughts here today and not mine, so I pray that you will touch my lips with a call from off your altar that I may present your thoughts through my words and my tone of voice and my body language. And I also pray that you will send your spirit to be with those that are watching and listening, that they may hear your thoughts and not mine as well. Father, I pray that you will speak through me this day, this I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back to the Three Witnesses series. We're going to be looking at the second witness today and the first part of a two-part series on the second witness itself. This one is going to be Timeline Prophets. But before I get into Timeline Prophets, I want to do a quick review of the First Witness, which we looked at last time. And the First Witness is dealing with the spread of the Reformation, which was mainly because of the printed Bible. This was a point that I was really trying to get across. The spread of the Reformation was not just because of the power of Zwingli or Jerome or in their speaking ability. No, the the Reformation really exploded because of the printed Bible. Now the job of the Jesuits was to stop the Reformation and is, not just past tense, but is also to stop the Reformation, which is due primarily, again, to the printed Bible. So their real job is to destroy the Reformation by destroying the Bible. So they tried to do Uh, They tried to destroy the Bible by burning them, but, you know, this just didn't work. So they counterfeited it using the Codex Sinaiticus and the Codex Vaticanus, and they started putting out all kinds of other versions so that they were actually corrupt, which leads to a corrupt faith, which leads to a corrupt freedom. So that was kind of the summary of witness number one, witness number one, ultimately is the Reformation Bible, the Textus Receptus, if you will, or the, what we have today is, in the English, the King James. So with that, we'll go ahead and dive into um, the Second Witness, part one of the two-part series on the Second Witness here, and Amos 3.7 tells us, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Now, the word secret in the Hebrew carries with it a meaning of a state of intimacy and trust, the giving of advice about a plan or action, a revealing of counsel. And so this is what God is doing. He is revealing his counsel to us through his prophets. Now, if we say that prophecy stops with the canon or the Bible, then what we're saying is that this verse isn't correct. Why? because we know major events have taken place and will take place after the Bible, such as October 22nd, 1844, and we're going to look a little more at that time period here in a few minutes. So surely the Lord God will do nothing, including major events like October 22nd, 1844, without revealing his counsel to us through his prophets. So, with that being said, I want to look, that's kind of a, a foundation for some points that I want to go into. Now, I want to look at a six point um, understanding of what we're going what I'm going to be talking about. So I'm just going to break it down into six points. You could break it down into different uh, you know three different points or, or four or five different points. I've just chosen to break this down into six different points for simplicity. So, we're going to see this pattern repeated over and over throughout the Bible as we go through this presentation. The pattern starts with number one, God gives a message, and He connects that message, number two, with a timeline. So, I want to really stress this, we're not talking about just any kind of prophecy given in the Word of God. We're talking about prophecies that are connected to a timeline. That's important to understand. So God gives a message. He connects it with a timeline. And that timeline is not present truth for the prophet that gave the message. Okay, so uh, point four is that God raises up a present truth prophet at the end of the timeline who shows that that message is present truth for that time. And point number five is there is a message of judgment that goes with it. And then point number six that I want to bring out is that there is a remnant that is always brought out. There's a remnant that is always brought out. Now I wanna begin looking at this pattern with Abraham and Moses. In Genesis 20 verse seven, God tells us, now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet and he shall pray for thee and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, Know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. So the the point that I want to bring out into that verse, out of that verse, is the fact that Abraham, or Abram, is a prophet. He is a prophet. Okay, so let's go to Genesis 15, verses 13 to 16 now, and we will gather some more information for this uh, six points that we're seeing. Genesis 15, 13 to 16, and he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. So now we have a timeline given to us through the prophet Abraham or Abram And also that nation whom they shall serve will I Judge now we've got a judgment connected with this timeline in this message and afterward they shall come out with great substance so there's a coming out or a remnant. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. So therefore this message is obviously not for present truth for Abraham. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now if we look at Hosea 12:13, we find one more piece of information, and then we will see how this pattern fits. Hosea 12:13, and by a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. So this is referring to Moses as being a prophet. So now when we look at the six points, we see that God gave a message through Abraham. He connected it with a 400-year timeline, and it obviously was not present truth for Abraham because he, he died before the fruition of the timeline. Now at the end of the timeline, God raised up a present truth prophet, Moses, and there was a message of judgment that was given by Moses, referring to the 10 plagues, and the children of Israel were a remnant that was brought out. So we see there those six points, how they, how that pattern fits timeline prophecies, but I want to keep looking at some others. I don't want to just nail this down on one theory or one prophecy. We want to make sure that this fits other prophecies as well before we continue on. So we're going to look at Jeremiah and Daniel. Jeremiah 1, 4-5, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So here we see very clearly that Jeremiah is a prophet. Now in Jeremiah 25:11 we see that the word of God, the spirit of prophecy tells us, and this whole land shall be desol- a desolation and an astonishment and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So now Jeremiah has given us a timeline prophecy of 70 years. So if we go to Daniel chapter nine, verses one to two, we will find another important part in this six-part pattern. Daniel 9, 1-2, And in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So we see that this, that Jeremiah, the, the prophet, gave this 70 year prophecy, uh, speaking of the captivity of Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, if we go to Daniel 5:25 and 28, it says, and this is the writing that was written, mini mini tekel Eupharson. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mini, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. I, I want to just take a quick sidetrack here and point out the reason it says mini, mini twice is because there were two kings in Babylon. There was Belshazzar, which everybody is familiar with but there was also Belshazzar's father, Nebonidus. So when it says many, many twice, it's saying it one for the, the head king, which was uh, Nebonidus, and then once for his son, which was Belshazzar. So there was one king during that time. And if you were gonna say there was one king during that time, then it would have been, you would have been referring to Nebonidus. But if you were to say there were two kings at that time, then you also would have been correct. The two kings would have been Nebuchadnezzar as the head and then his son, Belshazzar, also as king. But let's look at this in the six part uh, pattern that we've been given. And we see that God gives a message through Jeremiah. He connects it with a 70 year timeline and it was not present truth for Jeremiah, but it was present truth for Daniel who God raised up to show this to be present truth, and there was a message of judgment given, the, the destruction of Babylon, and there was a remnant brought out. The children of Israel returned home. So again, we see that six part pattern working there as well. So now we're going to take a look at Daniel and John the Baptist. Now I just want to put forth that I'm not bringing out every single verse proving every single point because I think most of these things we already recognize. So I'm not going to try to belabor the point, I'm going to just hit the main points that uh, some of us may not understand, just drawing this all together in order to shorten this video and try to condense it as much as possible to the main portion of meat. So in Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 to 27, we see that the Word of God says 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So we've got a timeline here and to make an end of sins. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So with Daniel 9 there we see a timeline prophecy that is given And it's obviously not present truth for Daniel. If we go to Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 we find more information given to us and it says, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now why would Jesus say the time is fulfilled? Because he is referring back to the prophecy given by Daniel, the timeline prophecy, and he is saying that time is fulfilled. You need to look for a present truth prophet. You need to look for a message of judgment. You need to look for a remnant to be brought out. And that is exactly what happened. And we see John in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Again, John the Baptist is referring back to the prophecy that Daniel gave. The time at hand, the time is fulfilled. The time is at hand. He's warning people of something to come. Now in Matthew chapter three and verse 10, we see that John the Baptist gives a message of judgment to the people. Now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So Matthew 3.10, very clearly John the Baptist is giving a message of judgment to the Jewish people or the Hebrew people. Now in Romans 11.5, we find another part of the puzzle. And the word of God says, even so then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So here we see that there was a remnant brought out. So looking at this six part pattern, we see that God gave a message through Daniel. It was connected to the 490 year timeline prophecy, and it was not present truth for Daniel, obviously. He didn't live 490 years. But at the end of that 490 year timeline prophecy, God raised up a present truth prophet known as John the Baptist, who gave a message of judgment to the people, speaking of the axes laid to the roots, and at the end of all of this, there was a remnant brought out. So there is a clear pattern that is given, a clear pattern that is given, that is very important. Now, I wanna look at one more timeline prophecy, but this timeline prophecy, brothers and sisters, doesn't end in the time period of the writing of the canon or the writing of the Bible. It ends long after the Bible was compiled and written or written and, and put together. So therefore, we have to take the pattern that, that we have just seen and apply it to this prophecy, and we're going to look at Daniel and Ellen White. Now, Daniel, we've already established, is a prophet, and in Daniel chapter eight, verse fourteen, we see a timeline that he gave to us. And he said unto me, unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So Daniel now has is a prophet, we know he is given a timeline uh, prophecy. So therefore, and it's, it's, it's clearly not present truth for Daniel because Daniel wasn't alive for 490 years, much less the 2300 years, okay? So it's not present truth uh, for Daniel. But God raises up a present truth prophet at the end of the 2300 days, didn't he? I mean, that would, that's the pattern that we have seen. We have seen it consistent throughout the Bible. But do you think that the devil is going to just let this this pattern go without trying to throw in a mix of confusion without trying to stop it? No, of course not. If he's He's definitely going to stop it. You look at um, he tried to he tried to stop John the Baptist. The devil tried to stop Moses from being a timeline prophet, a present truth prophet because he saw the pattern friends and he knew when moses was supposed to arise and so what did he do he tried to have all the kill the children killed to try to stop the present truth prophet from arising the devil knows the pattern far better than we do far better than we do so he is definitely going to try to confuse the issue and he did at the end or around the time period of October 22nd, 1844, which was the end of the 2300-day prophecy, we see multiple prophets arise. Now, he tried to kill the prophet once. He tried to do all these different things in the past which didn't work, so this time he's going to try something new. He's going to try to confuse the issue by raising up multiple prophets. And so for the Mormons, he rose up, he brought up Joseph Smith the Jehovah's Witnesses, he brought up Charles T. Russell. And he also brought up Mary Eddie Baker, or Mary Baker Eddie for Christian Science, and the Fox Sisters for Spiritualism, and Margaret MacDonald for Pentecostalism, and Charles Darwin for Evolutionism, and Karl Marx for Marxism. And there were actually others in there, but I just don't want to go through all of them. I think you get the point. And yes, uh, evolution is a religion. It takes faith to believe it. Therefore, it is a religion. It just happens to be a state-sponsored religion. So, I have a question. Which of these spoke to the 2300 days? Which of these showed that the 2300-day prophecy was a present truth message? None of them. None of them did. Absolutely none of them. So, looking at points 4, 5, and 6, at the end of the timeline, God raises up a present truth prophet, Ellen White, and her first vision was December of 1844. God gave a message of judgment connected with that, the three angels' messages, and he brought out a remnant, which were the Seventh-day Adventists. But I want to try to make this point here. Seventh-day Adventists are those that stand on and believe the fundamental principles You see brothers and sisters if we are going to be a part of the remnant then we need to look like The remnants and the remnant that God raised up were raised up upon the fundamental principles You cannot a, a, a remnant is something that looks like the original if I were to bring out a remnant that was blue and had some pink and some yellow in it, and I were to say that, well, this came from this piece over here that had blue but no pink and yellow, you're going to say, well, that's not a remnant of that. It doesn't look the same. So, friends, if we're going to be a part of the remnant, we need to look like the remnants. We need to look like the original, the disciples, the pioneers of the Advent movement. We need to be standing upon... The fundamental principles and according to God's definition of a Seventh-day Adventist, it is those that stand on the fundamental principles. Now I want you to notice in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I ask the question, why are people, God's people destroyed for a lack of knowledge? He answers, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. So, brothers and sisters, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. Not because people didn't see it, uh, and therefore didn't understand it, but people are destroyed because they see it, and they reject it. Now, Ellen White makes a statement that those in the church that haven't accepted her and have truth shouldn't have her writings shoved down her, their throats. This is a paraphrase. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. So when, and I've seen people who have come to me and said, well, you know, I don't believe in Sister White because of this, that or the other. And I, and I look and, and these people oftentimes, not all the time, actually, usually it's not the case but I have seen some that have stood on the truth. They have understood the truth. They just didn't accept Ellen White for their own reasons. And brothers and sisters, I've left them alone. As long as as they're standing on the truth, I I leave them alone. But she also says this. She also says, it is Satan's plan to weaken the faith of God's people in the testimonies. Next, follows skepticism in regard to the vital points of our faith the pillars of our position, then doubt as to the Holy Scriptures, and then the downward march to perdition. When the testimonies which were once believed are doubted and given up, Satan knows the deceived ones will not stop at this. And he redoubles his efforts till he launches them into open rebellion, which becomes incurable and ends in destruction." Brothers and sisters, there is a pattern there when you give up the testimonies which were once believed. Now, I've seen a lot of people out there in the Internet world that have once believed the writings of Ellen White and have said they they cannot believe them anymore. They don't listen to them anymore because of this problem or that problem, so on and so forth. Friends, you're going to see the pattern. Next follow skepticism in regard to the vital points of our faith and many of these people have already given up the vital points of our faith And the next point that will happen Is the doubt of the holy scriptures? So you give up the testimonies which were once believed the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to walk away from the vital points of our faith the fundamental principles you're going to say that that these things were wrong. You're going to say that the people who came up with them were wrong. And then you're going to walk away from the Bible. That is the pattern that has been given and that I have seen that pattern. I have seen people walk down this road before. Friends, I pray that you don't do that. I want to ask you, will you accept God's second witness the present truth prophet, Ellen White. Will you stand up and be a part of God's remnant church? God is looking for a people that will stand upon the truth that he has given. He was looking for a people that want the truth. In the second part of the second witness, or the Second Witness Part B, we're going to look at a little more information from the Bible. It just didn't, this information just didn't fit really into the timeline prophets, but it is still vital information to understanding and seeing the writings of Ellen White as being a witness. And so we're going to look at a couple of verses real quick in the second part, and then we're going to look at some apologetics. So stay tuned and come back for the Second Witness Part 2 of the Three Witnesses series. Standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions.